Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 11, and I am joined by former guests Ken Cooperis and Jessica Greco, as well as Mark Weingast, who works in distribution at D Films. And last but not least, we have Sean Doyle, who is an actor you might recognize from shows like Big Love and currently is on Bellevue and The Expanse. And he was joined by his son, Reese, who is a film student. And we sat down to watch a film together. All right. um, So we're sitting down to watch Mulholland Drive. So we'll go around the room. I'm Jeremy. And I have seen this movie, but not in a long time. I'm Reese. I've never seen this movie before. I'm Sean. I have seen it, but not since I lived in Los Angeles in 2006 or something. So right around... When it came out. And especially living in Los Angeles and seeing it there. And but this is one of your favorite movies you said, yes, right? Yes, one of my favorite movies. Okay. Uh, I'm Jessica, and I have not seen the movie. And in retrospect, I don't know if I've seen any David Lynch. Wow, that's oh, okay. Hey. You're popping your Lynch cherry tonight with a room full of dudes and cherry stuff. There's like there's literally gross. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not cherry; it's raspberry. But oh, sorry. I do keep that. That's cool. Ruin the metaphor. <laughs> well, I bought the pie. Uh, my name is Mark. I've never seen this film before. Um, in terms of Lynch, I think I've only seen Eraserhead, Elephant Man, and then both Twin Peaks the series and Twin Peaks the movie. Uh, I'm Ken Cooperis. I, uh, I have not seen this movie, but I have seen every other David Lynch movie. And you provided this disc. I did, yeah. I'm very excited to You've see it. You've seen every other. Every other one, yeah. That's bizarre to me. That, that this is the one you've missed. I don't know. I, I don't even know how I missed it. I think that I actually convinced myself that this and Lost Highway were the same movie. And then, so it just oh, that's interesting. Interesting. it just kind oh, of yeah, fell off my radar. Yeah. 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 Well, What's interesting that are similar for sure no. yeah. in terms of structure or lack of. Oh, What's, there you go. <laughs> What's interesting about this, and this won't ruin anything, was that it was originally conceived as a pilot for a TV series, mm-hmm. and it was shot that way. An hour and a half was shot. And then ABC got it and like, what the fuck? ABC. Is this? <laughs> yes, for ABC. Like the well, mouse. He, well, he had done T. No, that the mouse is. Disney. Disney owns ABC, or they did. No, no, yeah. they do. They do. Yeah, they yeah, you're a whole bunch of other things. But uh, well, Lynch, you have to remember, Lynch had already done Twin Peaks, so he had done television right. stuff, right? It wasn't that foreign mm-hmm. of a concept for him to do a television series. But and there's a famous story you can look it up on literally Wikipedia. I think is where I found it, where he went in and just told them like part of a story, and they were very intrigued. And they're like, "Well, what happened next?" He says, "Well, if you want to know, you have to buy it." Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so he basically tricked them into funding his pilot and then he turned it in and they're like what the fuck is this you can't air this this is a break especially once you see it you'll understand yeah. uh, and then he ended up getting some more investment and rewrote it using the pieces he'd already shot and turned it into the feature that yeah. we will watch tonight he kind of had to go back I think and af- even after that he had to go back and shoot an extra two weeks wow yeah to come up with this ending jeez it's a faster. So why haven't you? Because you own it as well, right? I own it as well. I brought the, I bought the Criterion Blu-ray a couple years back. I just haven't gone around to watching it. 
And the best thing I, I find about this, this is a movie actually I don't think I know really anything about, and nobody, oh, great. And nobody has really spoiled it for me. There's, it's hard to spoil this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. You not, so you and I are the only ones that have seen it. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be a fascinating conversation after. <laughs> so you've never seen a Lynch film? Uh, no, and I think, like, I think when Twin Peaks was out, it was one of those things that my parents were obsessed with it. But I would sort of walk into the room and go, this is too weird. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Just so you, so Lynch has never been on your radar? Not really. I'm like, a, I'm aware of him. I'm aware of his work. I'm aware of like his place in the pantheon of filmmaking, but I've never really been uh, an audience member of his. I'm fascinated to know what you guys that haven't seen and think about this movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's dive in. Okay. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, and we're back. So before we start off, I really want to know, you two have seen it before. Yeah. What was the mindset when you guys first saw it? The, the film was 2001 or? 2002, I think. Or maybe it is 2001. That I didn't see it right until I was living yeah. in LA. I saw it when I was in film school. Because I lived with a guy who was a David Lynch obsessed um, freak. And so I went with him. And I think it was my first Lynch thing at the time. I don't think I'd seen anything else. I might have seen Wild at Heart. Um, and so I just remember walking out of it just being in a daze and not knowing what the hell to think. And I couldn't stop thinking about it and, and wanting to puzzle it together and figure it out. Woke up the next morning and like wrote everything out I can remember on cue cards and tried to like, wow. like, this was this and this was that. And then he and I got together and had lunch and compared notes and then we went to see it again that afternoon to see if any of like the theories we had held up. Did they? <laughs> I th- Here's the thing, it's one of those things where it's like Lynch is famous for not answering any questions about the movie. Um, you know, even when the actors would ask him questions on set, I think the only question he answered was Justin Thoreau asked him if he was meant to be uh, a version of him. Mm. And he said no. And it was the only thing. <laughs> no. Lynch is famous for not answering yeah. questions or, or explaining anything. So, yeah, so, that, I, so, you know, my roommate was obsessed with it. And, uh, and I really, really, I liked how weird it was. It was different from anything I'd really seen before. Um, but it's not a movie that I revisit on any kind of regular basis. I have a copy of it. I feel like this movie is kind of hard to rewatch, like right away. Like maybe give it a few years, let it ruminate in you, and then come back to it again, kind of like what we're doing right now. Yeah. Because it's been like, how long since you've seen it? Like since 2001, 2002? When was the last time you watched it? I don't know, I bought the DVD. Probably watched it once or twice after I bought the DVD and haven't gone back since. And the DVD is weird. The DVD, we had a running gag with the DVD because we always joked about when DVD said for special features, scene selection was a special feature. <laughs> and then that DVD does not have scene selection. So mm-hmm. that was when I made us realize, oh, it is a special feature. <laughs> I don't know, for me, watching it, it, I saw it 11 years ago or something, it didn't feel like that at all. Those images were still fresh. I had forgotten most of them, mm-hmm. but when I saw them, it was as if I had just seen them a couple months ago. What I find refreshing about it now again, and when I saw it first, is just that, you know, in the mainstream, we don't celebrate uh, alternative films. We don't celebrate experimental films in the same way. Our films don't, God knows now, films don't take chances. We films that get seen, and, uh, and I, the ambiguousness of it is, I just think, so rich, and it's evocative, and every image is so freaking compelling, whether it makes any sense or not. 
And I remember he was being interviewed once, and the guy said, what is the theme of the film? And he said, uh, first of all, he doesn't talk about his films, as you say, but secondly, he said, a film, when it's done, is done. That's it. So before it's done, it's words on a page, and then all these people get together, and they put it together, and I make an edit, because this is what I see, and then, and then it's... Then it's an entity that can't be put back into words. It can't be put back on the page. It can't be compartmentalized like that intellectually. Like, he doesn't even see it like that. Or maybe he does, secretly. But, so, you know, I think when I heard that the first time, it just it gave me the freedom to give up trying to put it together in any kind of linear, logical way and just kind of accept just the experience of it, in a way. Yeah. But I would say that for me, watching it again, what I really got from it, the first time was kind of reinforced a bit because when I was in LA you know I was there and I was doing a big fancy show that I was not happy doing at all and I was experiencing that city in a different way than I ever imagined it to be and I just see it as a loss of innocence mm. I just see it as a metaphor for that and like you know on a, on a pure basis I, I can still track that through the film in a very uh, tangible way, and I think she's amazing in that film. Her performance in that film, from you know the, the stylization at the beginning to where the film ends up and where she ends up, I think is I think it's an incredible performance. Yeah, I want to talk about that for sure. Before we get into that though, let's go around and for the people that had not seen mm. it before, I want you guys to weigh in. Uh, I I mean I found it to be typical David Lynch. It's less a movie than it is an art piece. Um, you know, an expressionist. I, I mean, he doesn't really make movies. He makes. He makes. It's almost like it's a collection of short films, um, with that kind of tries to form a structure. Actually, this one was interesting because I would say for the first two thirds of the film, it had a narrative drive that was very easy to follow, and there was a very specific point when that it hit when then all that went out the window. And the surrealistic stuff started to go. And that's when they went to the theater in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And they watched the show for a few minutes. And she took the blue blue box out of her purse. And from then on, it was like, anything goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of like, there's two David Lynch's. If you watch something like Wild at Heart, um, the first two thirds of this movie is very much like Wild at Heart. It was quite linear. It had very bizarre characters and very bizarre instances, but it told a very um, uh, a story that you could follow and you could piece together quite easily. Yeah. Whereas he also has the Eraserhead side, where it's just a surrealistic, you know, series of events and series of characters and series of moments. It, it, it's kind of funny because. There was actually a couple of nods to Eraserhead, I felt, like uh, when the old couple from the taxi were tiny, um, you know, that was very Eraserhead, that was almost uh, right out of Eraserhead, when uh, he looks in the radiator and he sees the little people in the radiator. So it's, you know, he's kind of up to his old tricks a little bit in the second half, and and I'm trying to figure out if, like, the first two-thirds was the TV pilot. And then he was like, and now I'm just going to go full David Lynch on the rest of this. Um, you know, it's, that's always the fun thing to try to contemplate. I don't think you can look too deep into the images and stuff, because I honestly, I don't think he really has a plan. And I don't think, even if you asked him to explain it, that he probably could. Because mm-hmm. I think he just, it's very, um, 
you know, it's very surrealistic and, and, uh, and I don't think, you know, I don't think there's, I don't think at a certain point that, you know, when their, their identity started switching and their name started switching, I don't think he's going, I'm trying to say something particular. I think it's just a collection of, you know, random weird bits and pieces. Um, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong cause who knows, but yeah. that's kind of how it felt to me. I've got my own theories on I'll, I'll go around though. But so I'm curious what Jess thinks. Well, two things. One, I think it's very interesting that you said that the surrealism sort of kicks over once they get to the theater. I actually think the surrealism kicks over once they sleep together. Yeah. Once they have sex, then all of a sudden it's like a whole new world that opens up. And to your point, I completely agree that the, the movie is sort of a metaphor for a loss of innocence, and that's a real clear turning point there where she sort of gives over to this sort of carnal uh, thing with this woman that she doesn't even really know the name of, and all of a sudden everything goes batshit crazy. Um, I'm curious to have a discussion about it and sort of dive deeper into it, because like we said, I, don't, I haven't seen much David Lynch, or any David Lynch, so this is sort of a first experience of it. Um, I think I hate it. <laughs> That's okay. I think I hate it. I'm not. I'm, but but I'm open to talking about it and maybe going. Okay, maybe I didn't hate it because just it felt. Everyone's gonna throw tomatoes at me. It felt really indulgent. Well, that's Lynch, though. It yeah, felt yeah. really, yeah. really indulgent, um, and I didn't feel like we I got all came in no paid out that we were going to. <laughs> right. Right. You, I told Jess it was a comedy. I was lied to. Uh, yeah. I have stuff to say to that, but you guys should probably speak. I just uh, think that it's like I I really liked it uh, personally, and I just thought like the images sort of like were really interesting throughout the whole way through. I feel like there's like a lot missing, so it's like now I just like sort of wish that I could like sort of like you like in your friend, yeah, and just like know what's going on. But I really like the mystery of it all, and I really think that, like, the differences between the storylines and, like, mm-hmm. how it all sort of, like, sort of uh, comes together, but also sort of doesn't come together, um, is really interesting. Mark? Yeah. Oh, man. I can't tell whether Lynch is a mad genius or just a giant troll or... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And, like, when you deconstruct this film... It, just like art, it it's very open to interpretation. That's what art is. Everybody sees it differently, and and really between between you, Jess, it it. it I don't know how how really to describe this film. Is it a mystery? Is it a thriller? Is it just an experimental art piece? There, there. Like I will agree, there are a lot of surreal Lynch moments, specifically in the beginning, and then once. Um, like once the blue box is open. However, with the loss of innocence, that's something I really didn't notice, and and again brings it open to interpretation, just like any anything art. So, like if anything, this is just like pristine Lynch being Lynch. Um, like to be honest, I think the only surreal thing I've seen has been Eraserhead, uh, because Elephant Man is pretty straightforward. Twin Peaks, in a way, yes, it has some surreal moments, but it's very straightforward and narrative. Yeah. 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 So my interpretation of this, if you guys would like to entertain it. Yes, please. Yes, um, please. And, and I forgot about it completely, like all that work we had done. And then when we watched it again, to what you were talking about, Ken, the, the idea that it's like the first half is fairly linear, more more like the first two thirds or mm-hmm. three quarters. 
is very linear, and then it starts getting fucked up. The fucked up part is real. The fucked up part is reality and what happened. The dream is what she's constructed in her mind to make peace with the fact that she's hired someone to kill her lover. That she lost her mind, and this is the thing that she's done to make sense of it. Uh, but then she can't ultimately live with it, and she kills herself. And that's, that's my And that's just one too. It's like she's she can't. Do the it. only she thing silences I mean, herself. You're saying she, but you mean the Naomi Watts character. Naomi Watts, yeah. Naomi yeah. Watts is the you the know, Betty. Yeah, Betty is is not real. Betty is like all of it's the first half yeah. is all just figmentations, and and the clues are in that little like the last twenty minutes or whatever that is. That you're just seeing little snippets. Uh, but I I do feel, I agree I agree with you in the main. I feel that Betty doesn't exist. I mean, no. When, when they make out, she says, "Have you ever done this before?" Right. And Betty says, "I don't know. Have you?" Which is, I think, kind of the first clue that they are really the same person on some level. That was what I got from it. But uh, I feel that, and again, it's from my perspective of being in that city and being an actor, and it really struck me again, and it's just probably because that's my, my perspective on the film now, but she is a ruined woman who went to that city and it drove her mad. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what he's trying to say with the film, is that that fucking city will drive you mad. Mm -hmm. And whether or not Betty exists for sure... Uh, I, I, I felt that I felt that she was she was she had absorbed a collage of images and and uh, um, you know experiences and whatnot that she had had her entire life about what this city is. So it's almost like there's different genres taken that yeah. she's put mm -hmm. together into this story to make her well melding herself. It's like you know there's there's no like you said mistake. inventing her inventing her yeah, self and her past. There's no mistake that. You know, they're both wearing the same blonde wig, or not the same, she's not, Naomi wants no, to wear a wig, but there's no mistake that they're wearing the same haircut at the you end. You know, I, I'd buy that theory more if the, if the entire movie was from her perspective, but we follow... But the dream is from her perspective, right? Sure. When you see that guy go and kill those people, we see him later, she's he's But what do you think about the detective, like the cowboy and the director, and, you know... Oh, well, she's punishing him. Like, everything bad happens to him because he's the guy that took his girlfriend away. And what about the, the uh, and what about the uh, guy at the beginning who's, uh, um, who's, ha who's telling, talking about his dream with the guy in the restaurant? Yeah, um, and then go, that's, that's facing the evil thing that you can't face anymore. And when she does that, she kills herself at the end. The witch? But but what but what did those people have that's to pretty do? Pretty good, buddy. Yeah, I wasn't there. I didn't get there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Was that? But what did but what did the uh, what did those people have to do with it? Like who who? who well, she who saw him in the diner, and it's just and it's, as dreams do. People come into dreams. Yeah, you know, and she and she and he when he was telling that monologue at the beginning, he said you were standing over there, and that's where he's standing later on in the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I admire your theory, but I I feel like and and I'm not I, and you know there's no right or there's wrong. There's no way to prove it. It just, it just never, ever, I think we're, I think you're probably assigning too much credit. <laughs> to, to to a few of the uh, to the to a few of the pieces. But you know what yeah. I think that, and you're probably right about that. But what I think is interesting is that he's likely saying what I want to say to you when you said that you don't see this as a movie. Mm -hmm. He's saying why why isn't this a movie? Why would you not think of this as a movie? Yeah. Just because it doesn't follow a a contemporary narrative like a well, sure, it's a moving picture. I mean, at, at its very essence, it's a movie. But what? Yeah. But and I certainly didn't mean that in a way that was derogative. Mm -hmm. um, I just meant, you know, as 
as what we know of movies, you know, right? Which is relatively is more. Limited. This feels more yeah. like a uh, an art piece. Um, it feels like the kind of thing that uh, Andy Andy Warhol would do and call it a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, well and, and there's nothing to say that's not a movie, but it's yeah. you know, it's just it's, it's not, not it's not what you would traditionally uh, think of as a as a as a feature film. And to that point, what's interesting is that in 2010, this was named best film of the decade by Village Voice, mm. Los Angeles film critics, uh, IndieWire. And a lot of it was on a lot of yeah, a lot of, yeah, of praise for this movie. And you know, I'm there too. I actually quite liked it. I liked mm. it a, a heck of a lot, and I'll definitely revisit it. Um, it's just you got. I think going into a David Lynch movie, you just have to just let it go. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. before it starts control. unreeling that that it's yeah. you're, it's not going to. You know, you really have to let your mind just yeah, go and appease you. My girlfriend, it would have been a nightmare watching this with my girlfriend because she just needs to understand what's happening you know like she needs to put put herself mm-hmm. ahead of the story yeah my wife would hate this movie yeah and it's interesting though too because in terms of indulgences and stay holding on shots and um it, there seems to be so many opportunities where an audience you know if we were editing a film if we were editing that film we go come on cut man they're gonna get the audience is gonna get ahead of us here we gotta move on to yeah. the next thing but we never get ahead of it's almost it's almost like a, a trickster game or something. Oh, it's yeah, almost absolutely. like he's I he's totally laughing in our face. But at that point where you were talking about that interview you heard of him talking about how like when a film is done, it's done. It's like yeah. this is the kind of thing like nobody else could edit a movie with because it's just whatever he's gonna say. You can't yeah. to Ken's point about like what a typical movie would be, you can't sit in there and watch this with a test audience and go, Well, they're not enjoying it. It's like yeah. well you can't make it that way. Yeah. You can never yeah, construct yeah. this film that way because it's gonna be such a a different experience for every single person. That's yeah, um, a it's an abstract piece of art for sure, and it's that's beautiful. I'm actually surprised that it was so um, restrained for the first two thirds. Um, you know, it kind of gives you it lulls you into thinking you're going to be able to to follow it through to the end, right? And then it just pulls the road. There's enough little weird no, stuff. Just yeah, like, yeah, sure. like the studio exec. That you can almost choose not to. To, you, to be lulled into, if you, mm-hmm. you choose to be kind of lulled into a sense, it's going to be a linear thing if yeah. you choose to. It's the kind of film, like, it's not fair for you guys to, to comment on it too in depthly because it is the kind of film that benefits from repeat viewing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you start picking out those little things. Like, there's that bit when uh, they're sitting down, they first talking about the girl, and the, the guy gets the espresso and he spits it out. And then later on, when they're at the dinner party, she drinks an espresso and looks over and she sees that guy in the corner. Yeah. And that's the only link to that. And mm-hmm. it's because she was feeling disgusted by what she was at. She wanted to spit out her drink. So it's like, it's a weird little cookie crumb that pays off an hour to two hours later. So then let me ask you about the red in the beginning. What's your interpretation of when um, they stop, like, in the beginning, and he turns the gun to her and says, get out? What does that mean? Well, it's, that's just parallel to the very end when she goes to the party the first time. Okay. And then she finds out that her ex-lover is now getting married to this guy. It's kind of like being murdered, in a way, I think. It's like it's right. her version of being like, you just killed me. In a so car the, crash. Right. Yeah, she manifest, of, it's a it's dream, but manifested in a different way. So yeah. then the interpretation of the, of the cowboy. Out of we, I have no idea what the fucking cowboy is. Okay. <laughs> no, no, well, he was at the party, I guess. No, he, no he's at the he party, but we see him also on at the theater, but not in the cowboy costume. So we see him twice mm. in the film. No, that's not the cowboy. That's not the cowboy? No. Looks like him, though. Here's, here's the guy who goes up on stage. Right? That's the landlord. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, He's done a trick too, right? There's uh, the line in the dream when the cowboy says, if you do right, you'll see me one more one time. time. If you do wrong, you'll see me twice. Yeah. We see him two more times. And then she orders the hit. Yeah. Like, that's the way I see it in terms of, like, we see him twice. If we remember what he told Justin Thoreau, then it's like, okay, there's a bad decision coming up. Or, like, oh, this is, like, the wrong... Yeah. And also, so bizarre Justin Throw gets first billing in this movie. Can yeah. we just talk about that for a second? That's yeah. so weird. I forgot about that when I watched it. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then that's just pure... Ego? Yeah, that, no, that's Not just, ego, who no, knows? that's business. The name watch was nobody. Well, and, who was Justin uh, Throw though? Well, he must have done something, or had a bid, or agent, or uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think he was probably equally nobody. I think it's just a... It's he done a little bit. He was more known as a writer. He, he was one of the... Yeah, he he co-wrote Tropic Thunder. That's he right. He wrote yeah. a little tidbit. Of you, know what, you know what's interesting, though, about her in this movie that I really thought of this time? She was about to leave and go back to Australia mm-hmm. before she got this. She had mm-hmm. been there for a decade and trying, and nothing was working for her, and she got this film. And it's ironic how meta the idea, you know, yeah, that, that she is. would play this role, that this would be the thing. And this is likely why she she brought something nobody else did. I Her audition, that audition scene. Yeah, it's like when, the, when it just it's drops, phenomenal. right? <laughs> well, just, that is so compelling. Like you started talking about it, Sean, the idea that it's like, when you first start watching with her, you're like, oh my gosh, she's terrible. This movie like, is it's so, no, it's her acting so specific. It's like, yeah. it's so... Well, it's just like a parody. Yeah. It feels like a parody of what a young, sunny actor... I mean, even when she's exactly. getting off the plane and she's looking at the <laughs> yeah. sign, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> totally. But to be fair, like, I was 21 and, like, went to L.A. and, like, you know, went to parties on Mulholland Drive and, like, I completely relate to the concept of, like, that city can really sort of suck the um, the sweetness and, and joy and innocence right out of you. It really does. And there's all kinds of weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you see it. I would see it in people who come from here, and you see it in their eyes from when I first see them that first year to about four years later. You just... Yeah. Something's changed. So yeah. it's like the truest L.A. movie out there. That well, in <laughs> some respects, it really is. Like, it really does take you on a ride if you let it uh, and you lose yourself, which seems yeah. to be a major thing in the movie I think it's really interesting that she was Canadian I think that's a real sort of like yeah. the innocence too well, extra the, keen yeah. like well the cliche clean. is like Ohio or yeah. you know, whatever Indiana or Idaho but her specificity with you know bad acting landing between the beats you know so she would be in a beat and you could see in her face that she was anticipating the next beat the way a bad actor would right like you'd be acting yeah. Yeah. but now you know you've got to move on and you could just I mean that's so skilled so yeah, this is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Did she get she nominated? nominated? Yes. Was well, she, she win? No, no she, she was nominated. nominated. She was nominated against she, Nicole Kidman and they were best friends. Yeah, and yeah they I remember that. That's held hands and, and, and then they made out. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. History was made. Uh-huh. Uh, There's some yeah. terrific scene work. Um, as there is in all Lynch movies, even the craziest Lynch movies. So, there's a couple of scenes that are like that are just so watchable. The yeah. cowboy scene's one. Oh. The dialogue in that scene is tremendous. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like Justin throws the only person who knows what movie he's in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Besides, or that he's he knows what the fine role. He knows. He's what like, he's like I'm in a movie. Well, he, he's the audience going, like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. he's he's the one that's like our us, which is why we probably don't Absolutely. hate him. But also the scene in the diner at the beginning where the guy talks about his dream was very compelling. And, uh, and then, you know, going into the back and finding the witch and having a heart attack. It was, it, you know, um, 
it was a very it was like a four minute scene and it was like watching a it was almost like watching a student film but it was like yeah it was a complete narrative in its own mm. moment. he's a that guy's a fantastic actor I've seen him in a billion things mm-hmm. and, and he is his there was a just there's just like a, a it's like a nudge of stylization in certain performances yeah. in his. Yeah. It's, it's just everything's just a little, except for uh, Justin Thoreau. <laughs> everything's just a little bit. And you see, like, the veins in his head are popping as he's telling the story. Right. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I can't decide whether or not uh, her name is slipping me, the other female lead. Yeah. I don't know her. Can't Lauren decide whether she was. Uh, if she's bad or, or weird, she's yeah. doing it intentionally. Because everything feels so metered. But I think that's... And I thought I read somewhere that she was cast off her headshot. I thought Probably that was body. the story of Naomi, Naomi Watts. They both were, but he brought her in. I'm going to look up. Wow. I, not to... She felt... She actually... Laura Herring. She felt just European to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Like a very European actor who just wasn't used mm-hmm. to being an American yeah. film. Uh, or d- didn't ascribe to sort of stylistically American film. But see, yeah. because in my mind she is a manifestation, mm-hmm. or she's a memory or something... She has a different style. She sits in a different place mm-hmm. than Naomi because it's it's her memory of that. And, right. And her memory of her and her memory of herself or her manifestation of both, whatever you want to call it, is going to be different because it's from her perspective. Right. Maybe. Here's what the back of the, uh, the Criterion box says if anyone is interested. Blonde Betty Elms has only just arrived in Hollywood to become a movie star when she meets an enigmatic br- brunette with amnesia. Meanwhile, as the two set off to solve the second woman's identity, filmmaker Adam Kesher runs into ominous trouble when casting his later pro- latest project. David Lynch's seductive and scary vision of Los Angeles' dream factory is one of the true masterpieces of the new millennium. A tale of love, jealousy, and revenge like no other. Love, jealousy, revenge. It's a pretty good description. Yeah, it's like... Can you imagine whose job it was to have to write that? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to write? It's due on Monday! Yeah, Who had to write the coverage for this? <laughs> It's a tough one, yeah, but yeah. it's like that, that's that's a pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and it's also interesting too that I think one of his favorite films is Sunset Boulevard, and he's named his movie or set it yeah. around Mulholland Drive, which is the opposite of Sunset mm-hmm. Boulevard. Yeah. Mulholland Drive is so full of. Uh, it feels like there's a bunch dirt. of references to to Sunset Boulevard in itself. Well, that's true too. But Mulholland is, you know, there's just so much stuff has gone on up there. Seedy yeah. and, yeah. and scandals and... Halfway through this crushes. movie, I, I suddenly remembered that David Lynch was originally going to direct Return of the Jedi. Oh my Ooh, god. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, really? he was originally... Uh, and then they, they parted over creative differences. No shit. But he was, <laughs> he was the original director for Return of the Jedi. Oh, please tell me he had the idea for the Ewoks first. I feel like he had something, something to do with the Ewoks. Or there he... Informed something about them. Wow, we uh, wouldn't be seeing a reboot now. It'd be who knows what that version would have been. Uh, but to the TV thing, there is. I read somewhere where there's. You can probably find the pilot online somewhere. Okay. I'm surprised they didn't include it in this box set. I think the only reason they didn't is because Lynch doesn't like people seeing it because he's not happy with Does it. Does Lynch give an audio commentary on this? To be honest, I haven't looked at the box in a while. Doubt it. Can't. No, I think he has interviews on it. Okay. That's why I thought it was hilarious. It was a Criterion version because the regular DVD is literally bare. There's nothing yeah. on it. You put it in, it starts right away. It's like a VHS tape. There's no... You can't, you can't, there's not even chapters. That's funny. So if you want to like skip ahead to your favorite part, you can't. You have to fast forward. There's no scene selection. There's no chapters. It's the... But it's pure lens. Like, that's... Yeah. He's like, no, fuck you. Watch it from the start. That's right. Yeah, you don't get a fast forward. Yeah, it's, it's... Exactly. You don't... You watch the movie. 
Yeah. You don't watch pieces. Yeah, there's part of that that I respect. I'm still going back and forth whether or not I actually like this film. And although I'm leaning towards yes, there's still a part of me that needs to watch this again, give it a couple months, and then come back. It, I mean, I'd argue you're, you're, the fact that you even want to watch it again means that you lean on the side of life again. Because if you didn't, you'd just dismiss it and go, I, that was a waste of my time. Yeah. No, but, but it, I don't know whether that, that speaks of the, the kind of craft that David Lynch can form, or just in terms of this is something unique and different that, that just challenging me to interpret it more. Because con- conventional Hollywood films where you have just the 3X structure, you don't really look into it that much. Uh, with, with this, and yeah, the, the sudden change in the third act, it's, it's like, okay, I gotta go back, I gotta watch that entire sequence, I gotta piece it out, just like how you did with the cue cards. It, it's just like, okay, how does that fit into that? How does that fit into that? What does the blue box even mean? What was the blue box even... I read a theory once that the key and the blue box when they came together and she disappeared was um, the hit. That was... Well, he says the key. He literally says that it was a when, different when, key, when it's though. done. Yeah, it's yeah, blue. blue. They were, but there was two different. Yeah, keys. yeah. There's a triangle key and then like a regular. Key. Well, one was a dream version of it too, right? Yeah. But like the blue key is like when you you see this here. When this is here, it's going to be done. They don't connect the two things until mm-hmm. after, like Jess said, it gets surreal after they have sex for the first time. That's when they realize that things fit together, and that's when she realizes she's having a dream. That's when she wakes up from the dream. The dream is over because she. Re- she, and then she wakes up and kills herself because she realizes that she destroyed something beautiful and someone beautiful and she can't take it anymore. So that's what the blue box is for me. It's her waking up and coming out of the dream. I have a question. For, sorry, go ahead. Um, what is the... Who is the dead person in the bed? Her. Her, her, her right, of yeah. course. Which is weird when you... If the movie is like you're talking about from her perspective because whose perspective is it when she's imagining... Yeah. Or I mean, unless, unless that's her foreshadowing what she's going to do to herself. Well, it's all, it's all inside the dream, too, right? It's all inside. It's just thinking about killing herself, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, it's all... I mean, that's the thing that Lynch gets away with, is the fact that the first two-thirds of the movie is a dream. You can say, well, anything can make yeah. sense, because dreams are weird. You know, it's so easy to, to explain it away as that. Yeah. Yeah, the first thing that... The first moment I had of of, of like... I don't quite understand what's happening now. Was when they first went to the to the house and saw the body, and then cut right to her cutting her hair, and then um, Naomi Watts saying to her, "I know what you're doing. Let me help you with it." Was trying to become and her putting the wig on. But I yes, but at the time, because you know none of that had. I was very confused. You know, you have to wait a, a bit for your answers. Well, that is the problem. It's like all he does for the first two thirds is confuse you, mm-hmm. yeah, and then gives you all the ant. In my opinion, like, gives <laughs> you all the answers. you for like in a way that's very confusing too. Yeah. Well, what I got from that, what I got from the cutting of the hair was that the the the, the brunette, what's her name? In Laura the, Heron. What, what's the character's name? Oh, uh, Rita. Rita and Rita. Camilla at different points. Right. <laughs> so when Rita Camilla's sees the, the dead name, body, she goes, "Oh my God, that was supposed to be me." Because she's gone there to search for the house, yeah. right? That she thought she was living in, and so she thinks that person was mistaken for me, and yeah. therefore I got to cut my hair. Or actually, me. maybe sorry, the dead body could also be Camilla. That's yeah. that's what she's saying, yeah. yeah, right. Her girlfriend that she's ordered the hit on, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Because they both, we don't yeah, know where yeah, she yeah. died or how she died. We know that when Naomi Watts kills herself, it's in bed. 
so we you can assume those are the same, but it could very well be her walking in and seeing you know her breaking into her girlfriend's apartment after that blue key was left and seeing her body there. Yeah, you know that's another way you could look into that. So and Reese she, just did his culminating film, and it was uh, an abstract piece as well that had a very uh, kind of it had it, it had it had a real through line for you in terms of meaning, but it was quite abstract. So when you're watching this movie. Do you need to put the pieces together, or do you just allow it to wash over you, in terms of the images and whatever emotions uh, uh, come to you? Or? Well, I sort of want to know. I kind of want to like. I want sort of answers about it, but I really feel like it's easy to sort of like you said, just like um, I don't know. I'm sort of slightly just kind of okay with just sort of like letting it sort of be yeah. its own art piece. Yeah, you'll never find answers. Yeah. Just find people I think it's a bit of a fool's yeah, yeah, errand sure. to try to connect all the dots. Yeah, for sure. No, but that's why it's open to interpretation. You, but if anything, people are going to want to connect the dots. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... But it, that's the beauty of it. It's like, it's a, it's a exactly. Conversation. It gives more questions than it does answers. Yeah. And those answers give more questions. you got perplexed look in your face, so yes. How would you decide? What's your verdict? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I don't think I liked it. That's okay. That's fine. Thanks. <laughs> You're allowed to have an opinion, I, Jessica. I appreciate you guys giving me As the only woman like here it. who yeah. I really, I did, I struggled with how the women were portrayed in the film in general. Mm. Um, I thought that the both the actors... Can you be more specific about that, the, the first point? Yeah, I, I mean, it, there's a real sort of like, well, one has no memory, and the other is Pollyanna to the extreme. Um, so they both have this real sort of like, um, dumb innocence to them, um, where they're like playing the Hardy Boys by the end and like going on little <laughs> missions to try and solve the caper and it's sort of like, you know, and, and I loved Naomi Watts going into the audition scene and taking control of the room and completely playing the scene totally differently. And yet it made me so sad because I was like, oh, fuck, that's kind of how you got to do it in Hollywood if you want to get the part. So there was a little bit of just... And then when it started to spiral out, once, once they, when she fell in love with the Rita character, and then there was like all this sort of like intense anger and jealousy and Camilla's laying naked on the couch and she's like, but we can't do this. Like there's this real sort of strange ethereal sexuality that just never got explained for me or never got paid off for Mm me. Um, and then the women start to feel like devices by the end. Um, having said that, I thought that the women did a beautiful job with the material. I thought Naomi Watts was fucking fantastic in it. And I quite liked the woman who played Rita slash Camilla. Um, and then when I think about the other women, there's the, there's the, the wife that's sleeping with Billy, 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 Billy Ray Cyrus. Cyrus. I'm saying (laughs) Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Ray Cyrus, who gets clocked, like just straight up clocked out, and that's that was a terrible role. And that's like the comedy of it, yeah. you know. Like her whole role is to be fucking some joke of a human being, and then to get knocked out. And then there's a crazy woman at the door. And you get the landlord. And the landlord, landlord. who I love the whole time. Yeah. I was I loved Coco landlord, so much. I don't know if you ever noticed, like she never put like a comma between lines. No, she was just run where there's no beat where there should be a beat. I, I noticed that too, actually. Wait, so yeah. is that yeah. bad or is it intentional? I can't tell. I don't know. That was the other thing. I felt like a lot of the actors, in some ways, felt like they weren't even actors. Like in some ways, it was like it that was. That might be true. 
that they were just like real people that he found interesting and put on screen. Like the cowboy. The cowboy is so dry. Yeah. Do you think the fortune teller woman was also the witch? Well, which was the guy? That's like a guy. Yeah, that was like a hobo. I thought that but was, was it man. meant to be? Like, do you think it's meant to be monster more than? Yeah. No, I've always heard it referred to as monster. Just having that blue box made it feel like you know she held their, you know she held your soothsayer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So why does the witch have the blue box? Why, why, why did the old yeah, people Jeremy. run out of their bags? Hey, I'm not gonna mansplain Mulder on you. Not only that, but there's like there's like human remains in that bag. There's like some yeah. sort of human, and mm-hmm. so there was a few uh, some tiny people continu- continuity issues that I wasn't sure if were intentional or not. When she gets in the car crash and she comes out of the car, she doesn't have a purse. But then she has it later. But then she oh, has wow. that's like a big story point. But she like yeah. falls to the ground and gets up in a stagger. But you know that's she like this great it's a dream. Shock. Yeah, 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 yeah. You interpret it as a dream yeah. that first two thirds. For then sure, that explains why. It's like when yeah. she came over with a cup of coffee on the couch and she put down a, a, a glass of whiskey. Is that a thing? I didn't notice that. Oh. Yeah. When oh she, no, but that that's in the second part. That's just them montaging the, the real. Well, things. no, because she was she was she poured the coffee. She made the coffee. She poured the coffee. She walked to the couch. But then it was. But a there time were cut. there were different. Was it she a time was, in a, she yeah. was in a different state. Also, the guy who did the the who I think performed yeah, no, a hit on the time. man in the office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy. That seems hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he shoots and it's like ah, it's like ah, shit. And then she, something bit me. What's going on in that room? And also, why does she tell him that? Like he's a random stranger who's just walked into her. That room. That room is like there's snacks in the wall. There's coffee. Like, is this like a receptionist room? What I thought it was room? A, a, like a broom closet of some kind. Like, but she has a desk. It was like weird. Like anyway. sort of thing. But the the guy who does the hit has two different color yeah. eyes. Yeah, in that, and then he has the same no, color eyes. Uh, at the, the end, end. Yeah. yeah, there's so these little things where I'm like, is this gonna pay off? Nope. Is well, it's it though off? because that was, in my opinion, yeah. anyway, I think that was all part of the machinations of her imaginary world, the dreamscape of which it. Is why she he had to, yeah. I mean, that's what I think. No, yeah. fair. I, I don't know, yeah. It's where there are like every little thread that's weird and confusing. Does have an echo beat to it in the second. But it half. really did write out the cue cards. You can yeah. tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for Fred Alden, I was rewatching. I was like, oh, and I was struggling with the espresso thing until the last. I was like, ah, there he is. That's why, because she's drinking. It's the exact same cup and all that. Yeah, it is the exact same cup. But it's also like, why do you need that moment? Why did he bring a golf club to the meeting? Like, I was like, why is there a golf club on the desk? Was oh, because he's gonna beat the shit out of a car. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. Jack Nicholson and everyone was being the shit out of cars with golf clubs. Yeah, well that was around the time. Yeah, it was. So the, he, that was just his, his beat, he just walked around with it. Um, I found the guy uh, who sits in the chair, like uh, like in the center of the room, with his like the yeah. sort of the overseer. Oh. Like his face was so. Well, like, you should he's, see. Him he's a witch staple. He's yeah. in uh, Twin Peaks too. He's, he's in, in back- Twin Peaks, and they and he dances in that show a lot. In the, the backwards talking man. And he uh, so I'll ask, would would you revisit it? Yes. Yeah, I would absolutely revisit it. In fact, um, um, I'll probably revisit it sooner than later um, while it's still fresh because it's. I think I think a movie like this, Lynch or otherwise, you kind of owe it to yourself to watch it at least twice to, you know, see in you know like a hindsight view of the beginning of the movie to see if there was any questions that I had at the beginning that I may have glossed over that may bring everything a little more clarity. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I suspect not, but uh, I don't mind, actually. There was so many great scenes and so many great performances that, you know, and it was a quick watch, so despite it being two and a half hours. So, yeah, I quite look forward to seeing it again. Probably not too super soon, but... Soon enough. Soon enough. Jess? No. No? <laughs> no, I don't think I will. I mean, I'm glad that I saw it, uh, and I think I would like to see other David Lynch films and see Twin Peaks and all of it. I'm curious about, like, his body of work, but... Um, no, I'm good. I'm yeah. good with this one. I'm, I'm sure someone will talk me into watching it again when I tell them <laughs> that I did not like it the first time. Like, no, no, you. No, no, wait. Like, you understand? Cool. You're being and by someone, I mean a dude. I'm sure a dude will fully try and talk. You don't me get it. Yeah. I would say that uh, I want to see Lost. Uh, I, I won't revisit this for a long time because it's about three times I've seen it. But uh, maybe in ten years again. But Lost Highway, I want to see again. Now. Who did Lost Highway? I haven't seen Lost Lynch. Highway. Lynch. Oh, it's a Lynch. Lynch. Well. Lynch. Okay. Yeah. But I, th- I, I suspect that even though that's magic surrealism and all weirdness as well, I think it's more linear. If I remember yes, it is. correctly, so I just want to compare that, mm-hmm. right? But well, the movie he did after this was bonkers. What was that? Inland Empire? Yeah, is that what it was called? It was I, like three I, hours, and it was oh, yeah, yeah. shot on DVD. Yeah, now he said that he's just like done with filming; he doesn't want to do anything. You know, I think so, Wild at Heart may be one of his most ex- you know accessible, accessible, accessible movies, yeah. Yeah. and it's really good. You like Wild at Heart, I think, Jess. Yeah, Re- revisit. I think like definitely and like soon, and I I want to watch his other movies as well. Just makes me a lot more interested in him. Yeah. yeah. We should watch Twin Peaks now before the new one starts. Mark, you're definitely going to. I know you are. Well, I mean, I own the Blu-ray, so I kind of have to. <laughs> I, uh, I first want to look through the special features, just get more background behind it, and just look more behind the picture. I think that the next time I see this, I'm going to watch it with somebody who's never seen it before, just like tonight, and, and see what they think about it, because, like I said, it's very open to interpretation. That's what made me excited to watch it again, was like how many people hadn't seen it. And I haven't watched it in probably close to a decade. Um, and I don't know if I'll watch it again until my kids are old enough and they're curious mm-hmm. about... Do you still have your original this. DVD? I still have the DVD, so I'll probably upgrade to the Criterion Blu-ray just because I'm a nerd that way. Uh, By then there'll be a new, a whole new... 4K. Yeah, it'll be the 4K, whatever. The 4K, so I'll UHD, VR, well, That's just implanted into my brain yeah. Yeah. with all the answers. Um, yeah, so I'll probably, I, I wouldn't watch it again, I don't think, unless I had a scenario like this, people to watch it with. Yeah. Which I think is the only way that you can kind of revisit this, because you, the, you need other minds to to interpret this. It's a movie you want to talk about after. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't just sit there and go, well, that was weird. <laughs> if I had found this on Netflix, I wouldn't have finished it. Mm. If it was just me going, like, watching it on a tiny screen in my apartment, I would have gotten, like, an hour in and been, like, cool. Are you glad you finished it though? Even though you didn't I am like glad it? I finished it. I and you know it's one of those things where it's like it's not that I it's not that I hate it. It's that it's like it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, I didn't love it, but I can appreciate it for a, a whole mm. sort of composite of other things. And much like you said, like it is not the classic formula for making films. And I do love independent films and alternative films very much. I, I actually prefer them. This just wasn't my milieu. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. This yeah. was fun. Thanks right. for the big screen. That was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Thanks for joining us from Mulholland Drive. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lalon Jeremy. And check out Facebook for Black Hole Films. Like the page. Suggest movies if you want. Or just comment on episodes. That's nice. 
Also, if you have a chance, leave a review wherever you listen to this, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or other things, as it were. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.